0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Gear Priority Podcast. My name is Justin and today we are diving deep into a clothing fabric that is taking the world by storm. Enough so that some are calling it the merino killer. The fabric we're talking about is alpaca wool and I'm joined by John Gage, the co-founder of the company Appalachian Gear Company, who makes a bunch of different alpaca wool products, including the eighty twenty sun hoodie, which I've worn for five days straight of hiking and sleeping, so I, I have some experience with this product. I've been using it a bunch more on hiking and backpacking trips. Welcome, John. How are you? And uh, where are you calling in from? Calling
1: in from the uh, big city of Charlotte, North Carolina.
0: It's nice to meet you in, in uh, video, Justin. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice, nice to meet you as well. Uh, I read that. I like the merino killer too. That's uh, I might use that. Nice. <laughs> Well, that's that's that's. I feel like most people are familiar with merino. So as we kind of talk about alpaca wool today, we'll probably be doing some, doing some comparisons to merino and and talking about it because it's a a nice baseline to have. And I think for a lot of people out there, they're going to be, alpaca is going to be a consideration in lieu of merino or part of the system, um, in total. So yeah. So I I read that you and your co-founder co-founder partner Mike um have been in the textile industry for. Is it is it twenty over twenty five years? Yeah, that's that actually makes me feel younger. It's thirty five years. Thirty five years.
1: I have earned this gray hair. Let me. I promise you. Um, yeah, we we. Uh, my degree is in textiles. Actually, uh, I might be I might be one of the last people in the world that decided to go into that in uh, in college. And we've just uh, there was actually no history of textiles in my family, but in, in Mike's family, my partner is Mike Hawkins. Uh, his family went way back into textile industry, and they were they were on the textile chemical side, dyes and chemicals. And um, we actually, little known fact, uh, we met when we were thirteen, and we went to the same junior high school. And uh, we kind of lost track. He he wound up going off to school in high school, and then another coincidence is that we had a common friend that we were both good friends with, but we never were in the same place at the same time. And we were both in this guy's wedding. And, uh, so when all the groomsmen got together for the first time, we were looking at each other. I was like, I know you from somewhere. And, you know, it had been at that point, 11 or 12 years since I'd seen him. And, uh, it turned out I was in the textile industry and he was too. And
0: rest is history. That's that's awesome. So, how how long has uh, Appalachian Gear Company been been around? Then, when did you guys start that up?
1: Well, officially, we incorporated in twenty seventeen. But uh, Mike and I have uh, another business that we started back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, uh, and I got the idea to start. Um, Investigating alpaca as a fiber back around that same time, uh, we at that at that particular time we were not in the textile industry. We we had been partners in another business in the 90s, uh, and when the uh, textile industry left the states, you know the entire domestic apparel industry just uh, vanished over a six or seven year period from the late 90s to the early 2000s. And uh, we were a part of the supply chain. So, you know, we were left with really no customers. And uh, we had produced everything. I mean, every kind of sports fabric and and fashion fabric and every kind of fiber, except for alpaca. But we had dyed plenty of wool. Um, And so... We really, around 2008, 2009, I started thinking about alpaca as a fiber, and I, I really wanted to try to get back in the textile industry. And the funny thing is, it took me until 2015 to convince Mike to do it. And um, so originally, uh, I had found alpaca through a friend of mine who, when we were talking about um, different ways that I might try to reenter the textile industry. Um, and it turned out that were, the alpaca the idea of alpaca craft had really started growing so my original idea was not what we're doing there my original idea was to go around and and find um, alpaca fiber at farms uh, because raising alpacas became a thing in the United States and then to spin that alpaca into yarn and sell it into the craft industry So my, my original idea had nothing to do with backpacking but I was had started backpacking at the time. Was, uh, you know, the tie-in to the industry we're in is that I've always been an outdoors person. And uh, when I was uh, a kid, elementary and junior high age, I did a lot of backpacking and went to some uh, really well thought of outdoor camps, And that's where I uh, really found love for the outdoors. And I was the only one in my family that liked doing it. You know, we all played, I've got two brothers and we played team sports and we did all the regular things. but. They weren't much for going out sleeping in tents, and I loved it. And um, so, what really kind of propelled me into this was uh, in the early 2000s, in between uh, when I've got out of the textile industry the first time, where I was getting back in, I was doing a lot of backpacking with my kids, who were elementary and junior high. And we went everywhere. I mean, we did a bunch of sections on the AT. And we did some sections. We did some uh, fails out in Idaho. And uh, one of my sons, uh, they both work with us. And one of my sons is an Eagle Scout. And the other one uh, went to Knolls along the way. Both of them wound up being long-term counselors at the camp I went to as a kid. So uh, they were both continuously certified wilderness first responders. And so we've, along the way, we started wearing reno. You know, and, you know, I was already thinking about alpaca. And so one day I, I went and I was talking to my partner, Mike, and I'm like, you know, we wear a lot of Merino wool stuff. Why can't we make alpaca into a garment? And he he said, well, what the hell are you talking about? And so I, I started explaining the whole thing to him. And he, he just was, you know, kind of dumbfounded by it. We'd never thought of this. And that was again, that was four or five years before we really decided to get serious about it. So we started getting serious about it in um, 2016. Finally, I ragged on him so much for so many years. I mean, again, we're old, so it's we play the long game, you know, and uh, I just, I finally wore him down, and he he said, um, we had gone different ways after we were partners the first time. He I got out of the textual industry for a few years and I was in the uh, technology business. He stayed in the textile industry and traveled all over the world and he did a lot of really interesting things. And um, so he said, he said, if, if we're going to do this, there, there's a guy that um, we need to talk to. And so he brought this guy in who works for us now. And so we needed, Mike and I were more dying and finishing generalists. Uh, we weren't necessarily knitting gurus, but we we had both developed a ton of fabric. I mean, we've developed fabric from the ground up. So, um, so this guy comes in, and this is 2016 now. I'll be quick with the story. I'll I'll get up to when we start it up, and then let you ask another question. Um, so uh, this guy come, Mike said, if anybody in the world can do it, this guy can do it, and so he came in, and I told him what I want to do. I want to make a 100% lightweight alpaca T-shirt. That's the first thing that we wanted to make. The fleece wasn't well, even a uh, thought. at and, that And he said, his name's Carl, and he said, nope, you can't do it. Uh, we tried that in the 70s, and you can't do it. You can't knit that stuff. Uh, it'll, I'll shoot myself in the head if you want. And I said, wait a minute. You know, I've been researching this. We're all textile guys. We've got all these decades of experience. There's no way that you can't make this into a lightweight performance garment if you can make Merino into the light. And he said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll uh, give me two weeks. Let me think about it. Because I told him, I said, if we could start from scratch and you don't have any constraints about the type of machinery we can use, could you do it? He said, give me two weeks and, and I'll get back with you." and a couple weeks later he said if you'll let me build a machine i think we can do it now i was like okay and he actually worked a deal with somebody uh to go in we went into a used machine company with friends of his you know we've got a network like every business has these networks and i watched him uh build a knitting machine from basically a frame and a knitting machine just from for those that might watch the podcast, if you if you look at any of our um, uh, reels on Instagram or we've got some uh, videos on YouTube, you can see the knitting machine. So a, a circular knitting machine is like a giant Swiss watch in that it's got a lot of moving parts and some are spinning this way and some are spinning that way. And, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, really an intricate machine. And I watched him build this thing from a literal frame. And we had bought... Um, we thought we were so smart and we had bought a bunch of yarn. And alpaca is expensive. Alpaca is cyber. And it's not the things people in the market don't really understand. But for us to be meeting Merino prices and doing it in the States is really uh, a major feat because alpaca is many times more expensive than Merino. Uh, four, four or five times more expensive. So we had bought this yarn. And we thought we were so smart. I thought I knew what to buy. It was my spec. Uh, we weren't buying off-the-shelf yarns. In fact, nobody in the States could make what we were trying to make. We, The reason we import yarn from Peru is because one of the co-ops here in the States said, you'll have to find somebody in Peru to make what you're making. We can't do it. And we spent thousands of dollars on this yarn. We loaded it up on the machine and it ran for about 30 seconds or a minute and the yard just flew all to hell and we were like son of a bitch we have wasted all of our money and um but we were like no let's keep trying it and these machines just so you know if you're knitting cotton they just run 24 7 they might yeah might have a yarn break every now and then uh so by the third or fourth day we got the machine up to four minutes and Mike and I literally high each other and said, we can do this. I mean, these machines are supposed to run continuously. And we thought we had it made and we got the four minutes. Anyway, that's how it started. And so we bought uh, the parts. We built a machine. Uh, we started up a little R&D. We, we basically put 100% of the profit from our other business into starting up Appalachian Gear. We literally ruined one company to start this company. Uh, because we believed in it so much and so it took us from 2016 uh, through 2018 to develop the process and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat you over the head with all that but basically it was an iterative process every time we thought we had it made we ran into some other issue and we could not get this fabric made Um, and it took us it just took us years and as it turns out it's a combination of having the right fiber and yarn specs and having the right customizations on these machines and thinking outside the box we, we we it's what we're doing is very non-standard uh i always joke that my old textile engineer friends would laugh at us we can't let people you know, watch what we're doing we had a, we were, we had a patent pending status for a while. And then we realized, well, if, if this thing ever publishes, then people can look at what we're doing and they can conceive of other ways to get around it. And so we're using the Coca-Cola method. Just, we just, um, there are things that you, if you look in the plant, you can't necessarily understand what we're doing. There's certain techniques and it's a very, very, uh, intricate process there are there are a lot of things we had to figure out that's alpaca fiber is the craziest thing in the world to work with but once you get it put in this in the form in which we sell it in shirts with the eighty twenty, and the the fleece that's the 100 uh, percent it's crazy how good it works. and um so but yes yeah, it was a long hard process and most of the time we saw we weren't going to be able to get it done but yeah it's it's that old you just have to stick with it
0: that's 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 amazing that's a long process i I, I'd realize um that that would it would be so difficult to just to to kind of take i thought it'd be very similar to like kind of wool well as far as the process but it sounds like it's uh it was a much longer journey to get from from kind of where you guys were when you first started getting the fibers and um making them into a fabric to well I... to the... And I, know you
1: wanted, I know you wanted to ask some questions about merino versus alpaca. How are they similar and how are they different? And I could jump into that or because it was a good segue. Uh, or if, if you want to ask you things before that.
0: Yeah, I think let's, 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 let's go through, um go through some rapid fire questions just to get, to get to know you a, a little bit more. And then, yeah, we'll definitely get into the characteristics of alpaca wool. um And, and, and compared to merino wool. I think one of the, one of the things I want to follow up on too is, um, it, you talked a little bit about alpaca wool being difficult to, to work with. So I'd, l- I'd like to expand on that a little bit more in a, in a little bit here as well, but let's, let's start off with the first rapid fire question. Um, and this is one, maybe this is just because I'm in Canada and we don't we encounter this word much, but what's, what's the proper way to say the first word in your brand's brand's name?
1: Oh man, it's a hard CH. It's Appalachian. But... Appalachian. If if uh, anybody says
0: Appalachian, that's fine with me. But it's Appalachian. Appalachian. Okay, I'll have to I'll have to I'll have to practice that because I think up, up here we say a- Appalachian a lot a lot more commonly. in <laughs>
1: I, you know, it, uh, Northwestern states, uh, they all say Appalachian too. I'm not I'm not sure who who started that conspiracy about Appalachian, but it's Appalachian.
0: Sounds good. Okay, good to know. Um, what are your favorite two outdoor activities? Uh, backpacking and chilling beside a glacial lake. Nice. Those are good ones. And what, uh, Appalachian Gear Company product do you think you wear the most? You know what? Uh, interestingly,
1: well, it's a two, it's a two part question. So in the fall or the winter, it's definitely the hoodie, but, uh, since we came out with the 8020, I would say it's the 8020 sun hoodie. And the sun hoodie is a little bit of a it's it's not the most descriptive term. And the funny thing is we call them the sun hoodie because the, the good SEO. I mean, there's so many sun hoodies out there, but it's really it's really such an awesome lightweight, multi-purpose, an ultralight multi-purpose hoodie, and it's got all the attributes of Alpaca with better warm weather attributes because of the chin cell. So I would say, most of the time I have one of those on or underneath something. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's 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 a good it's a good one. So yeah, that's. And if you could travel to, if you what's what's a place on your bucket list for travel that you'd like to get to, whether it's kind of a local place or or international, you can take it wherever wherever you want. I would like to go up to
1: the Canadian Rockies. I've never been in, I've been to, in the old days, I was in automotive textile industry and and, uh, I went to Windsor a good bit, but that's not really the Canada I want to go to. I want to go into the woods. I want to go where D.B. Cooper and Bigfoot live.
0: Yeah, nice. Yeah, no one, uh, yeah, no one really ever needs to go to Windsor Yeah, (laughs) to visit. visit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you ever get up up here, let let me know and uh, give you, give you some good spots to go to and and maybe maybe tag along. Because yeah, it's 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 beautiful. So let's 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 roll things back. We've we've kind of talked about alpaca wool, in a sense, but let's let's bring it back and talk about what alpaca wool actually is. Um, like I, I think most people are probably, I think it's kind of descriptive. It's it's from alpaca animals, um, but maybe we can get a little bit more into kind of what why that matters and maybe linking that into where alpaca wool comes from. Cause I think both those things kind of play in together into what makes alpaca wool, wool special.
1: So, uh, first of all, so alpaca and the term alpaca wool is, is very much accepted, but it's uh, a little misleading because in actuality, alpaca's hair. Uh, alpaca is more like your hair than it is like merino wool uh in the outward physical structure of it. Um alpaca and merino and our hair are all basically classified as protein fiber. So they all act the same way. So the thing about a protein fiber, whether it's merino or alpaca or mohair or anything, they they all have that that awesome uh property that keep you warm when they're wet. Nothing else does that. And that's why all the animal fibers are great. Uh, Merino Merino sheep were traditionally raised in uh mountainous regions that were damper and cool uh and so sheep have lanolin which is a grease and that's a protective grease for their skin and the wool. Um alpacas were raised or they were bred. Uh, most people don't realize alpacas didn't evolve. They were bred um Uh, down in Peru thousands of years ago from a smaller animal that looks like an alpaca called a vacuna, which still exists, and a larger animal, which everybody knows, is the llama. And so the alpaca uh, is sized in between those animals, and alpacas are nice, whereas llamas are uh, mean. But the the alpaca fiber is uh, super fine, and uh, it's more like hair. And, and when I say it's more like hair, it doesn't have grease. It doesn't have lanolin. lanolin. Um, the alpacas were raised in a very arid, um, high altitude climate. So they have to put up with situations that are dry and hot and warm uh, weather uh, and dry and super cold. And so that fiber has to insulate them and, and keep them cool same thing with merino sheep but the the lanolin part of the merino is kind of what makes that fiber uh, or, or or helps merino sh- protect merino sheep against moisture which brings up another difference so they're similar in that they're both am- animal fibers but the lanolin provides some waterproofness for merino but when you strip that away merino wool actually absorbs 34 of its weight in water whereas The alpaca doesn't have any protective grease, and that fiber um, is actually, uh, when I test it, uh, it tests as water-resistant, not waterproof. That's a different thing. Or it's not water-repellent. That's a different thing, and that's important because alpaca still breathes. And and I don't want to get into the whole moisture-wicking thing, but I will... Since people are going to watch this, I do want to say the term moisture wicking was invented by the polyester industry uh, because the old school polyester from the 70s and the 80s was like wearing plastic bags and you could not wear it. And then so they had to invent chemicals to put on polyester to make it wick moisture, you know. And uh, so alpaca doesn't really absorb much moisture, but it does allow moisture to creep around it, it doesn't push it back to your body that's what allows it to cool merino does the same thing but merino wants to hold on to more of the water and that's a that's a uh important distinction between the two fibers
0: um yeah the that's, other... that's that's a big one and we'll definitely get into some of the characteristics here as want i think you brought up a big point i just want to kind of highlight as far as the fact that they're both animal animal fibers as far as alpaca um fibers and then merino fibers i think what's what i find really interesting especially i have have a background in in biology and ecology so hearing the the evolutionary aspects of alpacas being bred in these high altitudes and that's what gives the fibers the characteristics that that we're going to talk about a second here and then the sheep being bred in other other climates and to deal with other um like temperatures and moisture and humidity um that's why Reno has the characteristics that they have. I think that's a very interesting point that, um, that, that just, is kind of, it's kind of interesting that people, people should, should, uh, be aware of. And that like, like we're about to talk about, that's, that's what drives these characteristics for the different fabric types. So, um, you kind of already talked, talked about water absorption a little bit here. Um, do you, do you know off the top of your head, what the percentage is for water absorption or? Or water, water regain. I know there's some different terms that can be used for textiles.
1: Yeah, moisture, moisture and regain are uh, it, you know, the best way to talk about moisture in our industry. Really, is how much water does that fiber absorb? Because if you're using, if you're using these garments the way that we collectively like to use them, uh, you're generally in an environment that's rugged. Uh, and you're generally sweating. It doesn't matter if it's cold weather or hot weather. You're going to sweat when you're out there skiing or backpacking or climbing or whatever. And so the uh, the reason people, we, we've had so much marketing thrown at us about moisture wicking and quick dry, you know, to, let's make a place for polyester. And so, we, so everything can be made out of polyester and nylon. Fact of the matter is um, you, you want your garbage to cool you down you want your garment to dry quickly. Uh, and so the the uh, which is one of the reasons it makes alpaca such a good fiber because it only absorbs 10 or 11 percent of its weight in water. And contrast, you, merino is at about 30 percent. So you know if you have 10 pounds of merino on and you sweat in it, what's going to wind up being 13? If you have 10 pounds of alpaca on it's going to wind up being uh, 11 you know? If you have 10 pounds of cotton on and you're sweating, it's gonna wind up being 25 pounds. And so that's the, so, so the moisture absorption and the quick dry is part of what makes it a performance fabric. But also uh, if you're, nothing dries quickly, including polyester while you're sweating. And I've always told people, if you're in a mountainous region, it's 50 degrees and it's moist and you're sweating, polyester is not quick dry so all you really all you're wearing is a plastic bag merino and alpaca on the other hand well they're not going to dry in a moist environment either while you're wearing it sweating but they're going to insulate you and then sometimes people say well why do you bring merino and don't you just want to sell alpaca well the thing is what i would like to see is more and more natural fibers in our industry not just alpaca um, and I would I would like more people to understand that, that if you buy these fibers, these are true performance fibers. So i I talk to people internally about this word confidence. I've I have yet to be able to market it effectively, but um uh, what I feel like when I'm when I'm in the true backcountry. So when I leave the Appalachians, I go someplace like Wyoming or Idaho or and I've been the, in the backcountry, I still where when I wear my own stuff. When I wear my own stuff. I don't take down anymore. And the reason I'm confident is I know that if I get caught in bad weather uh, or something happens, my alpaca protects me. And Merino would do the same thing. And there's, there's some other differences that you'll tease out of me in a while. So I'll, I won't keep running my mouth until you're me the question.
0: So Sounds good. Yeah, I, th- I think... I think that's, um, with, with regards to the water absorption, that's an interesting aspect that I've noticed is it kind of hits that balance um, where it, it doesn't absorb a ton of moisture. Like 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 you said, cotton's kind of the extreme, but then merino is absorbs quite a bit as well. And then you have alpaca, which absorbs enough to keep you cool. If you are sweating um, a little bit, you, you get some of that evapotranspiration happening and um, you'll cool off a little bit, but it doesn't. Um, absorb a ton of moisture. That's going to take a long time to dry. Once you are in a, a in an environment where you can can dry, it's. Um, I definitely I definitely found that when when I was wearing it. I, I wore. I think it was probably about hundred degrees um, when I was wearing an eighty twenty sun hoodie in the desert of Arizona, and I was I was I was I was warm, but I wasn't over overheating necessarily, which I was kind of surprised about. Was, well, um, also, I also
1: always make this analogy to people when they they'll say, "Well, isn't alpaca? Does it make you hot?" And uh, and my and the same with merino. And my answer is always, well, you don't see a bunch of dead alpacas down in Peru, and it can get pretty hot. And you know, at twelve thousand feet, you're twelve thousand feet closer to the sun than you are in the deep south. And uh, so the thing about uh, these fibers is, the, the natural fibers also, not cotton, but I'm talking about the protein fibers also have good sun protection. Um, but my point, especially from being in the south. And so I've I have, I've got a lot of experience with this from living in this heat. Uh, if it's 100 degrees outside and you're wearing a cotton shirt, it's still going to be 100 degrees. If you're wearing a polyester shirt, it's still going to be 100 degrees. If you're wearing alpaca, it's going to be 100. Alpaca is not going to make you 110 degrees. And so your point is the point. The the point is um, evaporative cooling is what protects you. It's not that you put on an alpaca shirt and you're going to feel like it's 80 degrees when it's 100. And polyester doesn't do that either. Matter of fact, when polyester gets wet and you're sweating, it's not going to dry quick because you're sweating, and now you're wearing a plastic bag again. So um, the, the other side effect of me wearing my own stuff for so long is now all of a sudden I can't wear any polyester, not because I'm trying to make a point, but it's so uncomfortable. It's one of those things where I guess over the years you get used to things, and I used, that's all I used to wear is polyester and nylon. And um, it just feels so slimy and awful now. And I, the only thing I have that's synthetic uh, in the backcountry is my rain jacket. I actually take a, uh, my long, my long hiking pants are, are uh, poly cotton, to wax poly cotton. Uh, you know, um, once you realize what we left behind when everybody told us we should wear polyester and, and nylon, and we left behind all these other great natural fibers and then you go back to them you're like well man you know this stuff is really awesome
0: yeah yeah and I think uh I don't for me there's definitely there's definitely a place for for, poly, for polyester and nylon still in, in in my systems and but I think um I think there's a lot of marketing that happens around and you've kind of touched on this with nylon with polyesters especially probably more so than nylon and um especially with base layers and, and wicking and everything like that i I've I've seen a lot of marketing about polyester is what you should wear in warm temperatures and the only time i've had heat exhaustion was when i was wearing polyester because the, the the i didn't get any of the evaporative cooling effect because it just let go of the moisture so so quickly whereas if if you are in a very hot environment having a little bit of water absorption is going to be helpful in order to keep you from from overheating and potentially getting heat exhaustion so there there are there, there's a bunch of other facts i do Based on my research, there's a bunch of other characteristics with alpaca wool fiber that I want to jump into.
1: Hey, I want to make one more point. So sometimes I get, I get on a roll and people, I, I start getting like a Southern preacher. Um, but I do want to say, it's not like this is just a commercial for alpaca fiber. It's People say, okay, well, aren't polyester and nylon good for some things? Well, yeah, I'm not we'll never eradicate that from our closets i mean it's here to stay plastics are here to stay i think it's our responsibility to try to reduce our plastic use just because of the microplastic pollution people might not realize is not coming from plastic bags it's coming from apparel mostly um but polyester has this crazy stretching regain it's got crazy good tensile strength nylon the thing nylon's made uh is famous for is its abrasion resistance. It's far greater than than polyester. Th- those fibers, uh, they have some good performance features. It's just what I like to point out is we wait a minute. You know, for some of the things we like to do, the alpaca or the merino shirt, or even you start seeing things made out of yak wool and things. They have way better performance <clears throat> characteristics for the types of performance you need in the mountain environments that we're in you know and it's the same thing that makes them good for leisure wear too but you know cotton cotton is king in leisure and always will be but anyway i just wanted to point that out those those synthetic fibers have some crazy good performance it's just that it's the places they're really
0: weak the natural fibers are really strong definitely and i think i think alpaca wool kind of fills this um slot where before i'd wear i'd wear nylon because it did have that good balance of of water absorption durability um sun sun protection whereas merino um i i I didn't really like the performance as much whereas now with alpaca you have a slightly similar water absorption so it's going to dry um in similar ways as as nylon and things like that so i think that you're, you're you're Bringing this another performance characteristic um, relative to merino which which I really like, but the, the other characteristics I want I want to talk about um, softness, uh, durability, uh, warmth, sustainability, and then odor as well. And I think the, there's there's probably some other ones that we that we can we can dive into as well. Um, but what I'm really curious about too, because one something that I've noticed with with merino wool and I, and I don't know if this is a coordinated thing I, I call it like big big merino out there with a lot of advertising um and and information kind of saying merino if merino is the best fabric for literally anything like it like there's there's some some copy out there that i've seen from advertisers i basically say merino is the best best fabric hands down um and i've and 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 i i get it people want to advertise their product and support and support it but I've I've kind of noticed a little bit of the same with alpaca. There's a lot of good sources out there based on scientific research, but then there's somewhere I, I look at it. And I'm like, there's 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 uh, some big claims happening here with with alpaca. So I want to kind of dive into the characteristics and and kind of get the nitty gritty from from you on them. I
1: do a lot of festivals. I still do them, and uh, they. I still do them, but we get these big crowds people want to talk to us about this product. They've heard about it. And um, I spend a lot of my time dispelling things that people have seen on the web. And in the Merino market and in the alpaca market, there's so much, uh, there's a legal term called puffery. And there's a lot of that. Uh, and I try to highlight all the the strong points of alpaca but i do point out some things and i'll give you a couple examples there are a ton of them one is you you see it a lot of places i'm
0: gonna i'm gonna hold i'm gonna hold you off on that one let's let's wait till the end and we can tell people some of the some of the limitations of of alpaca wool let's let's make them wait a bit for that one let's let's I, i always like to start off with the good things and then finish off with the compromises and well, when we get to the end, what I would like
1: to do is maybe educate people on the parts of Alpaca and Merino that I see that are uh, misleading in other places on the web. Because I really want people, you know, my whole purpose is so that people understand what they're getting and what it does. Rather than saying, this is the best thing, you know, you can jump out of an airplane with it and you can you know do whatever. It, you know, you've got you've got to buy the things that will suit the purpose you're buying it for, and nothing is good for every single thing.
0: Exactly, uh, merino wool and and alpaca wool, neither is going to stop stop bullets if you get if you get shot. That's so. <laughs> exactly. So let's let's start off with start off with softness because I think this is an interesting aspect that I think links into. You talked about the lanolin a little bit, as well as the fact that alpaca. Fiber is closer to being like human hair than merino wool. Um, so you, you just kind of r- run us through the the characteristics of, of alpaca wool that makes it soft, I guess. So, yeah, you hear two terms
1: in the market. You can hear, you know, well, three terms, prickly, scratchy, and itchy. Well, it's all part of the same thing. Uh, the main difference, the main physical structural difference between alpaca and merino is that merino has scales. And that's why old school rag wool sweaters, you couldn't tumble dry. You really had to hand wash them because the scales act like zip ties. And as you agitate them, they go together and they do not come apart. Uh, it wasn't until I believe the eighties that the uh, technology uh, was invented to strip out the outer layer of merino wool and you and go back. And, uh, to make it smoother, which made it softer. Because those scales that make it shrink were also the major part of why it was so itchy. Because uh, the scales would cut into you, microscopic scales. Uh, most people don't realize when they're wearing merino wool, they're actually wearing, when I say merino, I'm always, in, in this podcast, I'm always talking about lightweight, washable, wearable merino, generally, pops. Um, but when you're wearing that that lightweight Merino, it's actually Merino wool that's had a layer up stripped off, which makes it weaker. And then they'd gone back and coated it with a polymer to make it smoother. And then they have blended it with some level of synthetic fiber. If it's generally less than about 190 uh, grams per square meter, um, generally what I find is Merino products that are over 190 or 200 are more often 100% Merino um, Alpaca fiber is smooth and uh, you can go out to the web and find pictures that uh, uh, scanning microscope pictures of a human hair and wool and alpaca and different types of and even on our hair you can see little ridges but they're far apart that look like scales and alpaca you can see them but they're almost imperceptible and the merino wool and other kind of wool you can see the scales are very pronounced and very close together so alpaca is a smooth fiber and i'll tell you that's um it's a crimpy fiber too and those are two of the things that made it so hard to process nothing sticks to alpaca it's we like and we laugh about it and i am the person so my partner always has pressed clothes and all of his files in order and i'm the guy that has papers thrown everywhere and I ball my clothes up and put them in the drawer. And I it's always look at the shirt. It's all wrinkly. I wear wrinkly. And so when I come to work every morning, I've always got a coffee stain and I've always dripped some kind of breakfast on my shirt. And the funny thing is, with alpaca, you can spill spaghetti on it. And it and when it dries up, you can just brush it off. It's the the fiber's so slick. And and uh, yeah, so that so it's a smooth fiber. Um and that's one and so when you when you hear the term soft. When I hear soft, I think more of cotton and silk. Well, like when you put cotton or silk on, you kind of don't perceive it's there. When you put on an animal fiber, you can, when you first, if you've never worn them before and you first start wearing them, you can tell it's there. If you're a person that um, is that has worn a lot of the, well, uh, I mean, if that 80-20 fabric is so comfortable, but I will say it doesn't matter if it's marina or alpaca there are some people that can't wear the animal fibers the, the protein fibers do not feel good and and um both actually can have a prickle factor and what you're feeling when you feel that is on a new garment if you feel a few places it's the end of the fiber in the freshly made garment um, sometimes it's microscopic short fiber so if you've ever Best way to explain this is if you have a long piece of spaghetti, it's easy to break. If you have a super short one, you can't break it. It'll actually stick in your skin. Well, so merino or alpaca fibers, when the short fibers that are broken from the process impact your skin, they're they're, both of those fibers are like 40 times finer than a human hair. And that, a lot of times, is what you're feeling. And then people say, oh, well, my garment has broken. I've worn it for a while. It's broken in. Well, all those short fibers have fallen out. And the short fibers that poke out that are the end of a long fiber have laid down. And that's why uh, most of these type garments, once you've used them for a while, they have a little nap, a little fine fuzz on them. And when they get that way, they just, you put it on, it disappears. So that's the whole thing between the prickle factor, not prickle factor. And there's a, this is not scientific, but based on my experience over the last five or six years, I feel like, There are ten to fifteen percent of people that just can't wear any animal fiber. It just doesn't feel good on them, and I always tell that to people up front because I have put one of these garments on people that they really want to wear it, and they just really can't wear it. And I always say it's not your fault, and they'll say, "Well, can I wash it in vinegar?" And I'm like, "No, that's all BS. It's don't believe what you read. If if it doesn't feel good now, you, you know you're gonna. Some people literally break out when they put a protein fiber."
0: Yeah, and I think I think that's an interesting point that I, I didn't know about those little the little um, ends that could be prickling a little bit, and I think I encountered that for the first couple wears with my eighty, 80 twenty hoodie, and then after that it just became it just it goes so smooth, smooth and comfortable. Yeah, exactly. So I think that interesting
1: factoid: uh, a, a blood cell is about six microns in diameter. Uh, the f- <clears throat> the finest alpaca fibers and the finest merino fibers that we're all using are around 19 to 20 microns. I mean, it's just a few times more, a uh, few times thicker than a blood cell. They're super, super fine. Um, a human hair is over 100 or hundreds of microns. So th- these things, I mean, and, and people talk about super fine merino and microfibers. I mean, it's, it's, uh, when you look at the yard and you pick out a small fiber, it's almost invisible. These fibers are so fine.
0: So you kind of brought up a point that I wanted to ask about. And um, I see out there the, the terms royal alpaca, baby alpaca, and then regular alpaca. What's what's the difference that's happening between those three?
1: That's all. Uh, so baby alpaca doesn't come off of baby alpacas. And in the early days, I had to convince people that we weren't killing baby alpacas. And a baby, baby alpaca comes off of adult alpacas, uh, and it's it's one of the finest grades of hair on the body, just like on your own body. There's certain like your beard is coarser than your hair. Um, uh, You've got. I find there's less standardization in the names of alpaca than there is. I mean, merino just always goes by Uh, the super fine is always eighteen and a half micron nineteen. you know baby alpaca is pretty standard but beyond that you get superfine you get royal alpaca and so uh those are those are just the very finest grades and they're hand graded this is something those people probably aren't aware of maybe some are but when you say you've got superfine merino that's 18 and a half micron or you've got royal alpaca that's 19 microns uh every fiber is not 19 every fiber is not 18 and a half That's a statistical average, and you've got plus or minus one or two sigma uh, around that average. So you could expect, with a 19 micron fiber, you could probably expect to find up to 22 or 23. You wouldn't expect to find 14s, because nature doesn't really make a 14. Um, And the science says uh, that once you get with any fiber, alpaca, alpaca, Well, any animal fiber, alpaca, mohair, rabbit, once you get up to about 25 or more, that's when you really start feeling the itch. So all these fibers, if they're coarse enough, would feel like a horse blanket. And that's why we all,
0: we we all speak for 21 microns or less in all of our stuff. Okay. Interesting. Uh, And something else I just want to touch on, I think you, you mentioned with the Merino stripping off of, stripping off the lanolin, um and and s- scales and then coating coating the fiber um that's that's called super washing correct is that is that what they're calling it and with are, are there companies out there who are super washing alpaca wool that you know of no so super wash uh, alpaca doesn't need to be super and um
1: what super washing does with merino is it strips off the outer layer of the fiber which is they're stripping off the scales Um uh, without that process there would be no such thing as as lightweight merino shirts um much less comfortable merino because it would just be itchy as all get out and so i I walk a fine line when i talk about this uh, and i'll just i'll just come out and say the superwash process is not environmentally friendly um uh, but for all the people out there you know everybody has their fav- their favorite brand and their favorite kind of clothes. So I'm not really trying to persuade people to move away from Merino, although I am trying to persuade everybody to move away from nylon and polyester. But, um, you, you know, it, uh, for everybody that has bought a, a Merino shirt over the last 30 years, they probably aren't buying a lot of polyester shirts, and that's a good thing. Um, but... When people say, well, I need, if I'm going to choose between you and Marine, we're okay, we're already not buying synthetic. Well, how is alpaca better? And it's more environmentally friendly and more sustainable. And the sustainable part of it is, at least the way we make it, um, we don't have to blend synthetic fibers in it. So if you remember a few minutes ago, I said that most most, in, in general, if you have a lightweight Merino products that are under 190, uh, grams per meter square, uh, you're going to find that they're blended with uh, most often nylon, sometimes polyester. And another factoid is that the reason a lot of merino is blended with nylon is because you dye merino and nylon with the same classification of dye called acid dye. And that makes it easier to match the shades. Uh, uh, so so when you're making lightweight merino, you think about this way: you've already You've already stripped off part of the the fiber shell. That makes that fiber weaker. And so how do you make, you know, people talk in terms of 150 gram and 180 gram. These are super light shirts, you know, and now you're seeing 130s. You couldn't make a, a 130 gram Reno shirt that would hold up to anything other than being a night shirt you sleep in in your house. You, it just doesn't have the strength. Um, and so they they blend it with with nylon. With alpaca, because alpaca um, doesn't have the scales and doesn't have that shrink problem, and it doesn't mean that it's not, you can't just make it like you make cotton because the resulting fabric is unstable. Part of what we figured out how to do is to make it stable. But uh, you don't have to put alpaca through any type of rugged chemical process to alter the fiber properties. So with merino, uh, with merino that has been super wide. They are altering the fiber properties to meet the uh, fitness for use of the industry, and I will say this: so that's not environmentally friendly process because they're using chlorine compounds um, to strip that fiber just to to, to degrade it. Uh, they are coming up with friendlier um, methods, they're, but they're more expensive, so they're not widely used at this point. But I I specifically like when this kind of thing happens um, because it's good for everybody. So eventually superwash will go away and it'll be replaced with something that's more like an enzyme wash uh, or some other kind of thing. Um When you use chlorine compounds, <clears throat> uh, they have resulting uh, chemicals that wash out on the wastewater that are not good. And, um, Back in the days when the textile business was here, most wastewater went to a waste treatment plant. Well, now that it's in places that we can't see and far lands, uh, you know, industrial waste is not treated in other parts of the world like we treat it here. And so it just goes out in the environment. And so, yeah, it's not environmentally friendly. But so you don't have to, our our process is mechanical. It really doesn't require any kind of chemical alteration of the fiber.
0: That's, that's good to know. I was, was interested because there are, there are slight scales on on um, on alpaca wool. So I was just curious if some companies were super washing. But it's good to know that that that's pretty much not not the case. And then, like you mentioned, we kind of we touched on the sustainability aspect with regards to alpaca and super washing and less chemicals. Chlor, Chlorine is such a bad chemical for the environment. So um, the less we can put that out there, the better. Are there other aspects of sustainability that Alpaca wool has. I know, like with, with sustainability, um, you kind of have the trifecta of like environment, economic, and social aspects. I think people. The question I get I get asked is, are alpacas being treated well? Where the wool is coming from? Is it coming from a place where the the people are being are, are the, they're benefiting from the economy of alpaca? Um, what, how are those two aspects factoring into things?
1: Well, so first I would say I don't want to throw shade on people who ro- raise merino wool, but there are many more merino wool sheep in the world than there are alpacas. Uh, I think what you would find is uh, throughout the world the merino raising operations are much larger. You know, maybe treated a little bit more like livestock. I'm not whether or not they're being mistreated, I don't know. I do know um, in the alpaca industry so the, the alpaca is a major part of the Peruvian economy um, alpacas are revered by the Peruvians alpacas have been a part of the Peruvian lifestyle and, and economy for thousands of years and um, they, they, these animals uh, are held in, in the, the utmost high regard by Peruvians Largely, so the, the companies that we deal with are some of the largest um, alpaca suppliers in the world, and they don't really run their own. They don't have farms. They're textile manufacturing companies. They get their alpaca from alpaca farmers, and but what they do is they also provide um, oversight and um, uh, new techniques. You know, much like uh, uh, farmers always have a soil service or whatever in their county, and and continuing education and government entities. Here's how you do this better. Same thing happens down there. Um, And I always like people to know that that one of the benefits that we have as textile veterans is that we don't use any middlemen. As as a matter of fact, the yarn we use is our specification. Uh, It's, you can't just call down to a mill and say, you know, I want, you know just give me some yard we we had to we had to come up with respect. Um, but the mills we use all have what's called the uh, responsible wool standard the fair trade standard um mm-hmm. the ocatet 100 standard and that specific one uh, is the standard uh, that tells people that they're not using um, really awful dyes and chemicals in their processes they're using chemicals that have been deemed better for the environment and You know, I'd also like everybody to know that when you talk about chemicals, um, when you hear the word chemical, oh, they're using chemicals. Well, yeah, I mean, when you wash your clothes, you're using chemicals. And, you know, even uh, some of these environmentally friendly uh, uh, laundry detergents, like you hear the term washing soda or soda addict. Well, these, you you dump a bunch of that in a creek and it'll kill every fish in there. These are, you know, uh, the chemicals in your house uh are often way worse than what you would find at a modern mill uh aside from maybe some of the dyes but I, you know when you're some of the cleaners it's just it's unbelievable and the poisons so um so yeah the the alpacas are um uh, raising alpacas is not necessarily an industrial thing it's uh it's a farmer based kind of thing uh there have been, there was one or two videos that people can find and someone was acting like alpacas get abused when they're, uh, sheared and it was one of those videos that was taken such out of context because alpacas are really nervous animals. They're fun to be around. You know, they, they'll look at you and then they'll run away and they're skittish, really um, and they, they, at one point, the film showed somebody putting an alpaca down fairly hard. What they didn't show is when you, you know, it's like a, a five-year-old. They Five-year-olds don't want to get their hair cut. I scream bloody murder. I, I escaped from a uh, a barbershop one time. Um, but the funny thing they don't show, so I have been to alpaca shearings. I wanted to see it for myself. And these alpacas are all hanging around you. And then you got to grab them. You got to put them out. You got all of them still because they're skittish. And you can't, you know. And the shear is the same kind of shears you would use on your beard. And they're sheared them and you don't want them squirming around because you don't want to hurt them. The funny thing is they feel so good after they're sheared and they jump up and they're just hanging around right beside you. It's not like they jump up and they run away, but they make all these crazy noises, and it's the same noises they make when you walk into their little enclosure or whatever, you know. It, they're just they're skittish. And so um, but they're they're really they're really cool animals. And the other thing to don't realize is if you don't shear an alpaca, it, the hair just keeps on growing. You have to shear them. You got to remember, you know, these animals did not evolve; they were bred, and they were bred thousands of years ago. So you can't just turn them out into the environment. You can't say, "Run free alpacas." You know, they they have to be managed. But yeah, the process is uh, really what I've seen. It's it's so. Uh, non-aggressive, other than the fact you got to hold them down to keep them safe while you get the fleece off. But I have seen these animals; they feel they feel so good when they get that fleece off of them.
0: That's the same with my dog. We just gave him a haircut the other day, and I had to had to hold him while well, while my wife uh, sheared him essentially, <laughs> and then. Uh... Afterwards, he looks at us, wags his tail and is ha- happy as a clam. Well, my, my dog, baby, when we have to we have to cut his hair every now and then
1: and bathe him, he hates me for a day.
0: <laughs>
1: but but anyway, yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's that's uh um and, and I find that you know in Peru you've got some major industries, There's some mining. They mine some minerals down there few other industries but but the textile industry is major down there. i mean they um they protect that industry uh and they do it right i just i haven't seen any issues uh that would that would make me feel uncomfortable and every time a new standard comes out they get these new standards we get the emails hey guess what we've got the new blah 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 standard they've got a whole list of them and we've written blogs where we show all the seals that we have and uh, so yeah, it's, it's all good. Um, I can't speak intelligently on the Merino part, but I know there've been some issues with Merino and I do know it's a much larger industry. Um, but they've come a long way also. Um, and, and my sense is it's not, it's not an awful industry. It's not as bad as what people make it out to be. Um, and merino sheep is, is,
0: they live a pretty decent life hanging around the mountains. Exactly, as as far as dur- durability goes, um, I, I I've read, I, I I've looked at some of the some of the stuff online, and it's like alpaca is the most durable fabric that's ever existed, and then other other ones um, it kind of has some tensile strength numbers where they've given a tensile strength of of fifty to alpaca, and then around thirty to forty for for merino. Um, do you have any numbers there or, or information around durability? Well,
1: Interestingly, your numbers are, uh, fairly accurate. I would say the alpaca, um, which you also find when you look at, um, uh, just the, the fiber tensile strength, um, it's, it's 50 and over for alpaca. It's, you never see hundreds, but then you also, you'll see, um, units like Newton's protect and kilonewtons per decitex and you know you've got to kind of understand what these things mean and, and i think it's interesting it's hard to ever find one where the merino and the alpaca had the the same unit so i don't know if that's on purpose but in general alpaca uh is has a higher tensile strength than merino wool um but to give you an idea of tensile so tensile strength is that the breaking strength you take a fiber and you pull it um, that's important, but if you have a lightweight, uh, alpaca yarn with not a lot of twist in it, and you have a heavyweight merino yarn with a lot of twist in it, well, the merino yarns gonna be more, uh, more tensile strength. So, so the, the fiber tensile strength is just a small part of the equation. And if you put it in perspectives, um, uh, so look at Tencel or modal, which is, or lyocell. Those are all three similar fibers that you see a lot these days. They come from uh tree stock. You know, it could be eucalyptus. It could be beech, or whatever. Um, so you have merino and then you have alpaca that's higher than that within well, the 10 cells is way stronger. Both of them, cotton also, and then way on up the scale is polyester and nylon. And so, um, so what you said was accurate, but then you got to put it into yarn. And then even with the yarn, you've got to develop your fabric the right way. And then once you've done all that, uh, it's the, the tensile strength is just a starting point, but it's nowhere close to being an ending point.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's, that's an interesting, interesting point. We, earlier in the podcast, we, I was talking to a tent manufacturer and they, they really broke it down to a lot of the time you're testing, uh, it's the fibers that are getting tested, but then the, the yarns are important. But then the fabric, the final fabric, is important. And you could be changing the the properties kind of at any point in the transition from fiber to to fabric. And especially once you start integrating these other um, other fibers, like like you said with like tensile, which you guys have in the eighty twenty, and then if you have some nylons or polyester. Um, you mentioned some other factors other than tensile strength would one of those be like bend bend strength. I came across that. Yeah. So,
1: there. um, uh, there is a, a test where they, they can, uh, test how many times you can, you can flex a fiber before it breaks. Uh, I don't really pay much attention to that particular type of testing, um, because it doesn't have a whole lot of relevance to what we're doing. All these fibers are really well suited for knitting. um, I'll just give you an example, some tests. So I test, I spend more time on yarn testing and fabric testing than anything else. And so with yarn testing, you have the yarn break strength. Um, you have the, the elongation at break, uh, with fabrics, you have things like a uh, burst test. Um, you can have a, a, a burst or a ball burst. And that's where you, um, you, there's a apparatus that sends a, uh, uh, ball end cylinder up through the fabric and it checks how many how much force it takes to break the fabric and how much elongation and the interesting thing is when we first started making the alpaca fabric we could not do a ball burst because the alpaca fabric would stretch to the limits of the apparatus for a break so we went to a, a mulling burst And um, you also do like a trapezoid tear where you're not really just tearing it straight, like a straight square, but you're tearing it kind of at an angle. And we also do uh, an abrasion test because really when it comes right down to it, uh, if if you fall off the side of a trail and you fall into a patch of briars, well, you're gonna tear every kind of shirt, you know? I mean, so puncture with lightweight garments, that's a whole different topic we can get into. But when it comes down to it, like if you've got a backpack, you know, how many rubs can it take? That's what an abrasion test is. And the Martindale test is one that was uh, formulated for upholstery. So how many times can your butt sit in a seat before you wear that seat out? And what it does, it actually, the interesting segue, it uses a piece of wool fabric. Because untreated wool, not talking about lightweight merino, untreated wool is pretty rough. It's got the scales and so they take a, a apparatus with some wool fabric on it and they they put it on top of your fabric and it rubs a figure eight. And so I believe fifteen or twenty thousand rubs is the minimum for upholstery. Uh, I think our alpaca got up in the 30 and forty thousand rub range before you had and it really didn't even rub holes in it. it's the 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 result is how rough the fabric is or did it fail? And uh, we were always pretty proud of that. But I'm not saying that other fabrics wouldn't test that. I'm just telling you what what we do, and um, so it it really comes down to a fitness for use. It doesn't come down to can you wear this garment for 3,000 miles and then wear it to work for the next five years. That's that really is not what we're looking for. We're looking for something that's not going to break down on you, and when you're doing the type of activities you like. Um, I mean, as we all know, any of us that have worn backpacks, I mean, backpacks are pretty heavy duty, and you butt slide down rocks enough and you're going to have holes in the bottom of your backpack on a through hike. You'll wear through five pairs of shoes, four pairs of shoes, depending on the brand. So the wear out factor honestly is not as important as the fitness for use, the breakdown. You just don't want it to break down. You want it to carry you through whatever activity you're doing.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, um, particularly with the, with the Martindale test, with the abrasion test, um, have you tested other fabrics next to alpaca? Like where, where would it, uh, fall in between kind of like merino and nylon? Those are kind of the two that, um, I'd be more interested in.
1: Well, so the, I I have not. And, um, uh, I, I've looked at research on different fabrics, but it would really come down to, to compare it to merino. We would have to, um, have a merino that was, had the basic same, um, yarn count uh and when i say yarn count i mean the linear density of the of the yarn knit on a similar machine with the resulting fabric similar weight um i would say that if you look at those fabrics if a merino if the merino didn't have uh nylon in it uh merino and alpaca would probably be in the same ballpark whereas nylon and polyester would be way on up and nylon would be way uh far exceeding um, polyester Um, and and nylon. Again, you know, the the, uh, calling card for nylon is its abrasion resistance. That is where nylon is the superstar. Um, But it boils down to, again, the fitness for use. So, um, you know, and I would say merino and well-made merino and alpaca garments would be uh, better than a standard cotton, uh, in terms of that kind of thing uh, not as good as as a uh in terms of abrasion as an nylon you know that's how that breaks down
0: okay so i want there's still there's still two two more um two more topics I want to cover here with warmth and then odor before we get into some some of the limitations and then um some of the use cases for alpaca uh best use cases so with with the warmth i've I've seen the number out there three times warmer than than merino wool so may, maybe t- touch on that and then we can talk about it as well like e- even if it's not three times as warmer what are the factors that alpaca wool has that are contributing it to being a warm a warm fiber
1: so alpaca and merino are far warmer than every other type of fiber out there that that aren't animal fibers so we'll start with that um I have seen three times and I've seen 10 times. And that's another one of those things that drives me crazy because I don't know why people need to make up things. Um, the science, and not my not my sales spiel uh, or not my own testing, but the, the readily available science says that alpaca is warmer than nylon. I mean, warmer than burrito. Uh, I don't understand when they say three times warmer. I don't know what that means. And honestly, uh, if you had um, a well-made, not, a well-made alpaca garment and a well-made, a well-made 100% alpaca garment and a well-made merino garment out in the same conditions in the back country, they're both going to protect you so much better than anything else. But alpaca is uh, warmer, and that's based on science. Alpaca is. Uh, Other people, some people say that alpaca is hollow. Alpaca is not hollow. (laughs) It's not like a straw. Um, I have even seen somebody say that alpaca wicks moisture in a capillary action, which is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And I don't know why people don't get called out. If alpaca sucked up water like a straw, it would not be a good fiber to wear in the outdoors. That's just ridiculous. Alpaca has hollow voids in it that's one of the things that makes it more insulating but the real story is the internal structure of the proteins and how the fiber is built from the inside out alpaca and nylon are a little bit different in that regard and alpaca is a little bit warmer alpaca is also lighter so it's got a even though it's lighter it's got the hollow voids in it Um, it's lighter weight but has a higher tensile strength If, if you if you have a merino and alpaca fiber they're the same diameter the alpaca is lighter, warmer, and and higher tensile strength, stronger. That's science. I, I didn't come up with that. It's you can anybody can research that. And the reason why that's important, rather than just saying tensile strength, is when you put all that together, it allows us to make a little bit heavier weight shirt. So you know our eighty twenty shirt, it's 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 twenty percent tensile for a reason, and just a little bit on our shirt. Um, thank you. <laughs> Uh, when you, when you add the 20% tin cell into the, with the 80%, um, alpaca, it actually improves the strength of the overall fabric because tin cell is, has a little bit higher strength, but the 20% tin cell also improves the warm weather, um, performance because tin cell is a cellulosic fiber. It's made from, um, uh, eucalyptus trees in a in a really environmentally friendly process it absorbs water faster but it also releases it faster than cotton and it's got the same kind of softness as silk the interesting thing about 80 20 our 80 20 fabric is when you add the 20 percent tin cell in our fabric still absorbs uh the same or less water than 100 percent merino wool and the um Tencel, the way, the way it works, uh, and this could be debated, so I, I, I reserve some uh, technical expertise leeway because of my experience, but when the, when the cell has absorbed water, it kind of spreads out. So the fiber is mixed in the yarn. It's not an alpaca yarn and a cell yarn. The fibers are blended in the yarn, so the water spreads out. It allows it to evaporate quicker. And so you're not sacrificing any cold, cold weather or cool weather performance, you're improving the warm weather performance. But the key thing is, because uh, I'm concerned with strength, we're able to make our shirts in a 5.5, 5.6 ounce per square yard um, range and still be comfortable, which improves, so heavier fabric is more durable. Um, I'm sorry to all the ultralighters out there, and I believe in lightweight, I believe in ultralight, but um, you know, I think some of you guys get get uh, too intent on wearing like plastic skirts and things. <laughs> I'm kidding. I've got some really good friends that are ultralighters, and I always kid them. But but seriously, um, we all in the textile industry, even people who make performance fabric, we understand there's a lower limit to to weight the weight durability curve. You just because you have a like some of the things like one thirties and one forties, I don't have my calculator with me, but you're getting down into the three and a half, four ounce per square yard range. An old school Haynes beefy tea, not now, but used to be 5.8, 6.0 ounces per square yard. That's heavy. Um, that's durable. That's why your old tee, anybody that's my age has, we have t-shirts that are 30 years old because they don't wear out. The t-shirts they make now that they're importing are rags. You know, they, they there's, and the standard thing is to make them so light they're not durable. And so, just because you can make a four ounce or a three and a half ounce fabric, it doesn't mean you can make a one ounce fabric. It's just it's it's we're we're not we'll never be there until they come up with a totally different technology that's based on uh, graphene or something like that. You know, I, I, I don't know. But um,
0: but that's the thing. So 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 I think that's the the. the the interesting part is like i think we laid it out as far as like next to um real wool the alpaca wool is going to be lighter and warmer and more and more durable it's and it, and maybe it's not three or ten times but it's it's going to be it's going to be on that side of the of the scale and what what's interesting is i like the the part about the hollow fibers I, you see that a lot out there and i think like you said the way it's described kind of gives the impression that it that alpaca fibers are like a straw and they're hollow in that way. So is it is it more that there's there's hollow parts within the within the fiber, hollow voids whereas with merino it's it's a it's solid or is there less it's more solid. Yeah, it's more solid and less
1: void. So you wouldn't consider merino as a fiber full of hollow voids whereas you would consider alpaca that way. Um another Another feature of alpaca that I've not found true, and I can't find where there's science behind it. People say alpaca is static resistant. And I've had the shit shocked out of me wearing alpaca. You know, hair, think of your hair when, it, you know, wintertime is dry, your hair flies. I, I don't know where that came from. Alpaca, it'll get staticky, you know, and so does merino, and, you know, um, That's another one of those crazy ones. And moisture wicking. People say alpaca's moisture wicking. Well, they have to say it. Most people that are running alpaca fabrics now aren't really textile people. They're other kind of companies that are buying it for somebody. But um, I actually test this. Alpaca does not wick moisture. It doesn't prevent. Alpaca is highly breathable. It lets the moisture out. Wicking is where moisture creeps along the fiber and the only thing that really wicks moisture like that is like polyester and nylon that are treated with chemicals. Even people say, well, cotton is moisture wicking. Well, no, cotton absorbs moisture. That's a whole different it's a whole different thing. So um that's what keeps alpaca lighter. It's it's not really absorbing the moisture, it's allowing it to creep around the fiber. It doesn't put push the moisture away. So the whole moisture wicking thing is it's difficult for me because again I sound like I'm preaching and I'm trying to when I talk to people in person I'm trying to re-educate them about what the reality of the situation is you know it's it's uh it's a thing that I've uh, I'll never accomplish my goal but hopefully I can inch along little by little and re-educate people as I go um, but I, honestly I, I tried I try not to make claims that aren't accurate. I mean, you know, we all want people to think our fabric is the best and our garments are the best. Um, but if I tell people that our garments do something that they won't do, it's just coming back to us at some point. You know, I want people to understand what they're getting and what it really does.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. And I think um, with, with, with with alpaca with alpaca wool, um, I what was where was I going with that? I had a thought that that you had mentioned around um, around alpaca wool. We'll have to we'll have to we'll have to just edit this part out. What?
1: <laughs> I have I have that uh effect on people. I just
0: make you forget what you were talking about. I should I should I should have made should have made a note. Um, what, what was it? Yeah, I I don't I don't remember but let's 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 move on to to odor and the 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 claims that alpaca alpaca wool is is odor or smell smell resistant or smell or odor proof um i definitely have some experience with this and ha- have some an- anecdotal uh evidence to provide people but may- maybe lay down kind of the from your perspective um, the the smell and odor odor properties of alpaca
1: Sometimes we get a comment where somebody will say, "Well, I'm I've been backpacking for uh, a month now." Somebody said I smell pretty bad. Well, yeah, they smell bad. <laughs> but so the whole thing with odor control is another interesting uh, situation. So um, the protein fibers, uh, what makes them antibacterial and anti odor is is odor comes from bacteria. Uh, and protein fibers like like merino and alpaca do not support the growth of bacterial colonies. But if you're smoking barbecue, you're going to smell like hickory smoked barbecue. So the so odor masking and uh, antibacterial are two different things. So what happens is where we again, I'm going to pick on polyester and nylon. Um, the um, the whole idea of antibacterial, it came because the, the proliferation of those fibers have led to garments that are really sticky. And people don't realize that polyester, microscopically, is full of dimples. So when you, dye, when you dye cotton, the dye actually reacts with the cotton. When you dye polyester, it's not really even a dye, it's a pigment and you heat up the polyester and the little dimples open up and the pigment goes in and when you cool it down, and the, the trick is to do that in a level way so that you don't have splotches. That's a really oversimplified um, version of it. But bacteria resides in those same dimples. They're microscopic. And then your body funk resides in there. And uh, detergents are not really good at getting that out. And so that's where you get that permafunk and polyester. We've all had it in our workout clothes. You can wash it. And the detergent you use will mask it with a little bit of fragrance, but you put it on and you had it on five minutes and all of a sudden you're like, God almighty, this thing really stinks. And that doesn't happen. For those of you that might listen to this this podcast, if you happen to be a type of person that wears a suit in you at work, well, most suits are made from worsted wool. How many times do you send them to the cleaners in a year? You hang it up. You might have, if you're a suit wearing person, you might have two or three, you hang it up, it freshens up because it's wool. And alpaca is the same way. So what happens is, um, when you're if you stink and you're wearing uh, an alpaca hoodie, well, yeah, you might still stink. Um, but the alpaca hoodie is not going to harbor these bacteria that get ingrained, that ingrained funk that, that shows up as soon as you start sweating. Because what you're smelling is the funk and the sweat coming off your body. You hang it in the closet and they, and they get fresh on their own. And that's why... I always tell people that you you don't have to wash these garments much, and it's not because they're delicate. Um, You know, we make the fleece where you can wash it and tumble dry, but it's because you just don't need to wash them that much. They freshen up on their own, and so so the anti it's the protein fibers um, are they don't support the growth of bacteria. That's where you get the anti the anti funk.
0: Yeah, I think that it's that it's that permanent funk that people are like you said are are very familiar with, and I, I wore the A20 shirt for uh for five days. I, I slept in it. I hiked in 100 degrees Fahrenheit in it. And then I got to a parking lot and I had, the, I, I, I convinced these five women to, to sniff me and they could not smell anything on me after five days of wearing this shirt and hiking, like hiking hard and, and sleeping in it. They they said it just kind of smelled like dust, which makes sense because I was in the desert. And once I got really in there, I could smell in my armpit, I could smell it. But I think, like you said, like that was my own odor as opposed to the shirt. And I took the shirt off, aired it out for about an hour, and then it, there was no smell with it. It was pretty, pretty crazy. I was a little bit blown away by by that that performance aspect. Well,
1: and and, and again, I mean, for all the things we talk about in terms of synthetic versus the uh, the animal fibers, um, the other thing that happens with these synthetics, you got to remember, um... The antibacterial and the moisture wicking, they all wash away eventually. These aren't permanent. Some people will say, oh, our antibacterial is embedded in the fiber. Well, really? So what good is an antibacterial uh, chemical in the middle of a polyester fiber? How does it work on the outside where the bacteria is? There's just so much misleading marketing out there. And, but again, every time you wash those synthetic garments, that stuff is washing off a little bit. Every single, and, and eventually it just becomes a plastic bag again.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I'll have to have someone from like Polygene or, or one of those companies that uh, produces the antibacterial on to, to, to chat. And I'll, I also want to bring someone on to chat chat about moisture wicking because I think we kind of touched on it a little bit. There's a lot of a lot of uh, information out there about moisture wicking and what it means. And I I question sometimes whether I, I question and, and I think I'm probably right on this is whether whether the way it's used mo- the majority of the time is a true representation of what what that term means and how, how these performance
1: if if i had been on my game i would have um found this research but um i found somewhere where a 50 50 tin cell polyester shirt actually dried faster than a 100 percent polyester mo- moisture wicking shirt interesting and um maybe people that watch this can prove me wrong and say they can't find it but i did i found that somewhere and um but I understand part of the reason why. So the moisture-wicking chemicals they put on polyester, you think about it, they wick moisture because they want the moisture. They attract moisture. So they don't easily want to give up the moisture. Um, we used to put moisture-wicking finishes on polyester back in the 90s. I know exactly how it works. I know the chemicals they use. Um, I've even got some in my house um, because some of my old polyester garments I just don't want to throw in a landfill. I treat them with this chemical every now and then to put the moisture-wicking back in it.
0: Nice, yeah, that's that's good for you. shop. To we'll have to get some people in the comments of the, of the YouTube video to 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 track down some track down some stuff, but that I think I, I think we kind of went through we pretty pretty good in depth uh, in into the different characteristics and, and benefits. Let's talk about some of the limitations or drawbacks with alpaca wools. Let's just quickly run through through some of those. So,
1: um, you know, overall. Uh... You back to that fitness fitness for use thing. Um, I would say for any pursuit that we like to do, uh, we've created a fabric that fits the bill. and as a subset of that, that means that they're also good for any leisure activity. Um, I would say if you want to if you want to do a strict hardline comparison between a hundred percent nylon shirt that's exactly the same weight as a hundred percent alpaca or 100 uh, percent merino shirt If you take care of the merino and the alpaca they'll last just as long as the synthetic in fact they have found alpaca garments on thousand year- old mummies you know um, but the way that you know all of us modern, people use things and the way that we've gotten used to maybe not taking care of our stuff like people 60 or 70 years ago did, um, you could abuse a nylon shirt a lot longer than a merino or an alpaca. You would wear out the merino or alpaca a lot sooner than a nylon. Um, But aside from that, uh, you know, I would say... I would say that the key with merino and alpaca. And when I'm saying merino now, I'm saying 100% merino. Um if you know how to take care of your garments, they'll last you for years. Uh, we routinely have people that have worn the same our same garment for two through hikes. Now, it looks like it's been in a battle and I've never ever worried about that in fact if you can make it on one through hike with the same hoodie it's going to have some holes in it the elbows will might blow out of it you know um but the key is did it get you there because that one garment got you there and it took you three to five pairs of shoes you ever notice how nobody really ever complains about their shoes you know that and and people say oh well my shoes are um the hitting the ground a step you know million steps a day well if you're wearing an alpaca shirt every step the backpack's going up and down so every step is two rubs of that martindale test so the bottom line is um yeah it, in a very black and white way your synthetic fibers they they last longer but if you take care of your gear um, the gear that's supposed to take care of you, Alpaca, Merino, both will last, um, as long as you need for them to. In fact, if you're not a hardcore outside person, you know, these things will last for years. Um, the other thing, so this holds true with any knit product, whether it's cotton or Merino or Alpaca, um, you know, we make our stuff for a comfort fit, uh, this is this is my opinion. Um, I do not like the tight fit tech stuff. Tight fit tech stuff like polyester is that way because if it is any looser, it really doesn't work. That polyester needs to impact where your sweat is. That's the only shot it has. Um, what I found from, I'm not reading this anywhere, but I've used this stuff for years. I've used Merino's and I use my own stuff. Animal fibers like a little room to breathe. And that's why all of our stuff is made like, we call it a comfort fit, not really a tech fit. Um, for the eighty twenty, it's more of like a t-shirt fit. If if you have a little bit of airspace between your skin and the garments, it lets them breathe better, lets them insulate better. Um, so, uh, you know, what you'll find with a garment like this that you're not supposed to wash much is people say, well, it got a little baggy. We've created a fabric you can wash and tumble dry. So when they get, so like the hoodies, they get a little baggy, you wash and tumble dry it, it won't shrink. It goes back to its original shape. But that's the same thing. Nobody ever wears their cotton t-shirts 20 times because they just start smelling too bad. And so, but any knit good made from any kind of natural fiber, so not, not polyester or nylon, Um, if you wear them enough, they get looser because it's a knit product and these, these fibers will loosen up and you wash them and then they'll shrink back. So I would say that's one thing that people that are new to the fabric might go, oh, well, I've worn this 10 times and you know, it's a little bit baggy, but they just have to get used to, um, how to take care of it, how to wash it. And, and actually people that, um, go on a trail you know they poke a hole in it we we send out patches we like people to darn their stuff and to put patches on because and i just i just wrote a uh blog on fast fast fashion about a month or month or so ago we've gotten so used to buying things and they get a hole in it we throw it away you know and the whole thing i mean think in the old days the first people that hiked the appalachian trail they were taking pots and pans and they were wearing heavy cotton canvas and it and you can't do that anymore, but there's something to be said for taking care of your gear and it takes care of you. Think about climbers. Climbers don't drag their ropes through the dirt. You know, there aren't any rope manufacturers that are going, hey, we just made a rope and you can walk on it and you can drag it through the dirt and it's still going to be good. No, climbers don't want to be on a rock with a rope that's been dragged through the dirt five times. So everything has to be taken care of.
0: Definitely. Yeah. And I think, I think those are two, I've definitely encountered the the, the stretch and then I threw it in the washing machine and it was, it was all I get afterwards back to the, to the original fit. And, um, it, I could definitely say that would be surprising to someone if they first got the shirt work for a bit and then, then had, had that say. So, well, it's, it's funny when
1: you hear people talk about old brands from the seventies, when they first came out and then, you know, the products, when they first came out, they were so awesome, but then index forward 15 years and you look back, Oh, that product sucked, but it's gotten so much better. well, Funny thing to hear come out of my mouth is I would say the same thing about our early stuff. Not that it sucked. It was the best thing ever when it came out. We, we got a, the editors, the Backpacker Editor's Choice Award. The hoodie hadn't been out six months when we got that. But that version of the hoodie is not even in the same ballpark as the one we're making now because everything goes through an evolution. So one of the things in the old days for us was that tall people loved our stuff. Cause it would always get about two or three inches longer. <laughs> and, um, but it was, uh, it was still straight back to where it was, but we've done a lot to minimize that. So that, so when you wear stuff like this, it won't just keep getting bigger, 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 bigger. It goes to a certain spot and but, um, but yeah, so it's, it's a matter of understanding the product and, you know, once you understand how it
0: works and what you're going to get out of it, then it's all good. I think that's, that's a good segue to, to the, to the last question here, as far as where, where's alpaca, will it go from here? Like where, where's the, what's the next iteration for the product? Um, how do you see it being integrated into maybe other products as, as we move forward? Well, so one of the things we're working on right now
1: is a heavier weight version and, um, uh, a heavier weight hoodie. So, uh, if you pay attention to comments over the years, we've, we, Continually get the suggestion that we put thumb holes and kangaroo pockets, and um, when you look at a picture of our stuff or you see a picture of somebody wearing it, well, you don't really get the you don't get the visual understanding of how different it is from a, a polyester fleece. The polyester fleeces are more substantial, but not as warm. Um, our our hoodie, specific specifically. Um, That fabric, uh, we developed it to be the perfect combination of lightweight and high performance. And we wanted it to be a very clean design. That's why there are no pockets in it. We've got the standard t-shirt top seam and standard uh, sleeve attachment. We're not putting drawstrings because um, the other thing people don't understand is when you see tech garments that have seams that go everywhere and they look cool, everywhere every place you put a seam is a weak spot in that fabric seams are always weaker and you because you're poking holes in the fabric and so we wanted a minimum number of seams and we wanted a minimum of bells and whistles um and that's what we did so the fabric itself is lightweight it doesn't really wasn't made to hold up to a kangaroo pocket that you're going to put your cell phone in your battery and put your hands in it um so now we're working on the next iteration where it's a little bit heavier weight version it won't be as good for warmer weather but it'll handle some thumb holes and some some bells and whistles um probably won't get out this year we've made a couple of uh prototypes we've had some people testing them and actually the heavyweight ones are so warm uh it's incredible you can't even wear them inside you know um uh, the other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to continue to look at blends with these other natural fibers like tin cell. Uh, you take a fiber like that that people identify with a, um, a fashion fiber, and they think, oh, well, I mean, you can't you can't make that into an outdoor. F-. Well, you don't want 100% tin cell or 100% cotton shirt on when you're in the Smokies or when you're you know, a lot of places. Um, but if you, if you know how to develop fabric, and we develop our fabrics from the ground up, and you can develop the yarns from the ground up, and you can develop the the uh, fabric structure and the weight and all that. You can do some amazing things. So um, and just for everybody watching, if you get a bamboo shirt or you get a hemp shirt, it's all the same. Uh, bamboo and hemp is generally the rayon process, not the cell process. If you see cell or lyocell, that's the same process. It's environmentally friendly. Rayon process is not really environmentally friendly. And then you got Model, which is right in the middle. But like with a bamboo shirt, you're not getting a shirt that had bamboo that somebody beat the hell out of it and stripped the fiber out. It was melted down into cellulose and reconstituted into fiber. So they all feel virtually the same. Um, But I'm interested in one of these days, um, so you notice we don't have any bottom weight stuff. So we wanna develop some bottom weight stuff, some leggings, maybe some looser fit kind of warm up stuff. Um, I really would like to get into some, uh, some hemp canvas, things like that. So our future is going to be to continue down that road of looking at natural fibers. And the reason we don't have alpaca in our name, um, alpaca is where we got our start. And, and I do want to plug ourselves for, we were the first and only people in the world still that have 100% alpaca fleece, um, there are a lot of people that advertise that we have alpaca this merino that, and it's really fifty percent. I don't even know how somebody can advertise their garment as merino or alpaca if it's only got fifty percent of that fiber. It's, but um, we are I, we are going to develop other fabrics with sustainable and natural fibers, and so that's why I didn't really want to pigeonhole us long term into being the alpaca people we want to be known as the people that developed alpaca into this specific market and we won't ever turn away from it and we're going to develop more alpaca things maybe socks i mean i don't think we can we can't raise the bar on socks the the sock business um socks are being made about as well as they can be made right now and i the leading companies you know are they're all great companies but at some point we might make our own socks we might I'd partner. love to
0: see alpaca socks with with toes for cuz i i love toe socks for blisters but then also a, a, an alpaca wool sock for for winter camping for me i think would be would be phenomenal
1: yeah it it makes it's, it's i've got some alpaca socks i've bought a bunch of different types and they're so comfortable it's unbelievable um none of the ones i've bought are I have found are really good for backpacking yet, for a number of different reasons. Um, And back to your other question, you can edit this backwards, Um, Alpaca uh, doesn't have the best compression and regain as a, uh, so if you look at at a sock, my Alpaca socks tend to get really flat. I would say, you know, Merino's compression regain in terms of a sock is a little bit better than alpaca. But you can overcome that with a blend. So all backpacking socks, and this is the issue, you can't make 100% alpaca or 100% Merino sock for the outside industry. They just don't hold up. You have to have nylon and you have to have an elastomeric. Um, so, uh, but that's why you don't see Merino or alpaca stuffed into sleeping bags. Because um, they, they just, the they tend to flatten out and you know, when you have a stuffing based sleeping bag, um, you know, your, your warmth is based on the airspace. Um, we do have a sleeping bag called the ugly bag. That's not based on airspace. It's based on the fleece. Um, and what's interesting is I still use mine. We've had, uh, probably 75% positives, 25% negative on it. Um, the only negative being that some people don't find it as warm is, um, what they're expecting. But so what we're doing with that one right now is trying to evolve that too, because I really believe in, in having that kind of a thing out there and, you know, our bag liner every it's, we barely can keep them in stock. The bag liners are phenomenal. Um, because it, and again, it's, you can buy a polyester bag liners, eight ounces and it doesn't work. Yeah. They, I. I I love the idea of bag liners, always did. It's, it was um, another factoid it is the bag liner, once we got the t-shirt fabric made, I actually really wanted to make a bag liner first. Um, when I finally made the bag liner, I realized how good it worked. I just I felt so good about it. It's heavier than the silk ones and the polyester ones. But what I tell people is it really works. It's not like you're with the polyester ones. You're buying this thing and you put it in your pack. And it's not doing anything but taking up space, and so my whole idea was okay. Mine's not going to be ultralight, but it's going to work. If you need a bag lighter, you need it for a reason, and it's not heavy, and it balls up. You can put it in an extra small um, compression sack. But and I just leave mine in my sleeping bag actually and stuff out. But um, man, it works. So anyway, that's what we're. I'm, I'm going to be. I'm going to be looking at other fibers and other combinations. Along the lines of the natural
0: fiber path that we've been going down. Awesome. That's that's that's, that's great info. And and I, pre- I appreciate the chat today. Um, I, we covered a ton of ton of ground. Uh, people, I'll have links in the, in the show notes and the video description. Um, so people can go check check out Appalachian Gear Company and and the products. I definitely recommend checking out that the the eighty twenty sun hoodie um and t shirts and and then there's the all alpaca um fleece sweaters as well and then the bag liner that you mentioned great, great products. Um, I've been super happy with mine. So definitely, definitely go check, check those out. Um, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on the show, show John and, and kind of giving us some, some really good info for alpaca and kind of dispelling some of the myths that, that are out there as well.
1: Well, I really appreciate you having me and, uh, you're going to have a hell of a time editing this thing. (laughs) But I do want everybody to know, I mean, when they, when they hear me speaking, um, I'm really all about, If people don't choose us, choose something that's more natural, you know, start looking away from polyester and nylon because there there are a lot of us small companies out here. There are a lot of good, um, small, uh, American based Merino companies. Look at them too. I I think the more people that realize how good this stuff really is, and then that whole confidence thing, the light will go off in your head. And when you get in that back country and you got something on that really protects you when you need it, um... When you have that confidence, it just makes everything so much better. And small companies like us are the ones that are doing all the uh innovation right now. Large companies are just you know,
0: mass marketing um you know, I'll leave that at, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. And I I pre, the innovation is such a fun aspect and that's that's a big reason why I wanted to have you, have you on the show. So, thanks a lot and yeah, hope you have a great rest of your day. Look us up if you come to North Carolina. We'll be